So brothers and sisters in Christ, we come now this morning uh, to the fourth of God's Ten Commandments. And the fourth commandment begins with the call of God to remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. So imagine that. A God who tells his people to just sit down and rest. What a tyrant he is, right? What a burden to bear to have to sit down and rest. But what do you do when someone walks into your office or comes to visit in your house? You, you tell them to have a seat. You, you say, sit down and relax. Can I get you a, a glass of water? Because your concern is to make your guest feel welcomed and comfortable. Notice that the fourth commandment is one of only two of the Ten Commandments that is stated in the positive. In other words, it begins not by saying, you shall not, but you shall. You shall remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. But what does this mean, to remember the Sabbath day? It goes on to explain, yes, in the negative now, on it you shall not do any work. You or your son or your daughter or your male servant or your female servant or your livestock or the sojourner who is within your gates. And then it gives us this explanation as the, as the basis for the commandment. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea and all that is in them, and rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. So yes, the fourth commandment contains a a prohibition from God. On the Sabbath, you shall not work. But as this commandment begins in the positive, I would have us look at this commandment positively and to hear it not firstly in terms of what we can't do, but in terms of what we don't have to do by way of God's own permission. Keeping the Sabbath requires that we avoid two common errors. The first, the error that the fourth commandment no longer applies to us. Second, the error that Sabbath keeping is is only a duty and not a delight afforded us by the gospel. So, have you thought about the fact that the fourth commandment is stated in the positive, at, at least to begin? Remember, the Sabbath day. And even when it switches to the negative, it does so, yes, as a command from God, but also as his permission. Why why can't we read the fourth commandment like we do, like we hear the promises of God? You shall, you shall, you shall, prophesying the, the sure outcome of God's gracious work for his people. God says in his word, you shall be saved. You shall be comforted. You shall be richly blessed. The day would come when he would send his son, Jesus Christ, to accomplish salvation for us and even in his people. Well, why don't we hear the fourth commandment in something of of the same way as the promises of God? Instead of hearing it as a prohibition of what we can't do, 
of what we must not do, of what we are forbidden to do, why don't we hear it as a prophetic reference to Christ? On that day, in the day of salvation, you shall not do any work. Can we hear it in that way? It's, it's like our boss announcing a day off for us. I'm, I'm giving you tomorrow off, a, a free vacation day, and on it you shall not do any work. Brothers and sisters, that's what the Sabbath day is. It's, it's a declared day off for us. And yes, God prohibits our work on the Sabbath day, but why should we hear it only as a prohibition when it's also God's permission not to work? The fourth commandment is prophecy. It's, it's announcing the, the coming of a day when the work of God's people will be accomplished. And as 2 Corinthians 6 verse 2 says, Behold, now is the favorable time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. Our work is accomplished. And not because we have accomplished it, but because God has accomplished our salvation for us through the saving work of His Son, Jesus Christ, on our behalf. So as a first point this morning, the, the call to rest. The call to rest. Why don't we see it that way? Yes, the fourth commandment is a commandment. Yes, it carries a prohibition. But the fourth commandment is the, is the call of God to rest. It, it is even his permission not to work. So why in the world do so many people do the, the theological gymnastics trying to argue that the fourth commandment doesn't apply to us anymore. Uh, if we understand the fourth commandment in, in light of Christ, if we understand that our, our salvation has been accomplished for us, then we should be indignant. We should be horrified at the suggestion that the fourth commandment isn't ours anymore. If we understand that the call to faith in Christ is the call to rest in him, then we should insist upon living under the authority of God in the fourth commandment. This has been said here before, and uh, it bears repeating, that while the word authority is considered a, a dirty word these days, the authority of God is actually in our favor, even to our great advantage. Jesus said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples. So we may chafe at the, at the thought of Jesus being our Lord and his being in a position of authority, indeed, uh, of all authority over us, but, but how foolish is that? When it's by his authority that we are saved that we have been made his disciples and, and brought into this, this kingdom, his kingdom of eternal blessing. And so, yes, it, it's an authoritative word. The fourth commandment carries the prohibition. On the Sabbath day, you shall not do any work. But remember who's saying this. It's the God who loves us. It's the God who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all. And so it is the God who will surely, along with him, 
graciously give us all things. And what he has given us in Christ is rest. So that on every first day of the week, we, we hear the call of God to, to rest. To understand this, uh, we can also go back to the story of creation. Genesis uh, 1 and 2 might have been our scripture reading as well. Um, and, uh, and we can start there by noting, uh, as I'm sure you already know, that God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. That's what Genesis 1.26 says. Then God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness. And again, in verse 27, so God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. But then in the, in the rest of verse 26, we are given to understand what this means. Just like with the fourth commandment, we, we hear the command, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy, and then we hear what that means. So, so it is here that we are told that God created man in his own image, and then we hear what that means, at least part of it, and, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over the livestock and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. In other words, man created in the image of God is man created to rule. As Psalm 115, verse 16 says, The heavens are the Lord's heavens, but the earth he has given to the children of man. So here, initially, is actually the call to work. Did you know this? Are are you remembering it each day? You were created to work. Our work is not the result of the fall. Work is normative, as as we say. Man's work is part of the created order. So if you, if you like your job, if, if you find yourself enjoying your work, and I hope you do, but you don't have to feel bad about that. The union bosses don't want you to be uh, happy. Uh, they'll do their best to keep you uh, uh, unhappy so that uh, uh, you're ready to uh, go along with, uh, with the objections that they would raise. But but uh, but we aren't done yet here understanding the image of God. Yes, because we are created in the image of God, we work just as God works. But what does Genesis 2 begin to teach us? Verse 1 says, Thus the heavens and the earth were finished, and all the host of them, and on the seventh day God finished his work that he had done. He finished his work that he had done, and he rested on the seventh day from all his work that he had done. So guess what? Not only are we to work because God works, we are also to rest because God rested when he had finished creating the world. Here's the problem with saying that the fourth commandment no longer applies to us. First of all, in order to say that, you have to argue that in the, in the middle of the Ten Commandments, which we clearly understand is God's moral law in the very middle of it, well, suddenly there's this ceremonial law. One commandment that, uh, that only applied to ancient Israel is now fulfilled and, 
and of, uh, of no matter to us whatsoever. Well, that's why I called it a matter of theological gymnastics. How, how can it not apply to us? The fourth commandment is bound up in, in the very image of God. Did Christ release us from being created in the image of God? Is the image of God part of the curse, such that we are now redeemed from the image of God? And the fourth commandment even ends up with this explanation. For in six days God created heaven and earth, the sea and all that is in them, and rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. So we need to see that the fourth commandment is, is couched in creation. Keeping the Sabbath day goes all the way back to creation because, because God rested, we rest. Because we are created in the image of God, we are created to do as he does and to be as he is. And so just as it says in Genesis 2, 2, he rested from all his work, so the fourth commandment says, on it you shall not do any work. You or your son or your daughter, or your male servant, or your female servant, or your livestock or the sojourner who is within your gates. Secondly, then, the call to trust. The call to rest is also the call to trust God. And we, we get at this by asking the question, even the crucial question, why did God rest? And the first thing to see is, is that when God rested on the seventh day after creation, it was a matter of condescension on his part. God didn't need to rest. A God of omnipotence does not grow tired and get weary. Isaiah 40, verse 28, even says, The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He does not faint or grow weary. His understanding is unsearchable. So why did he rest? Well, there are actually two reasons why someone sits down and rests. And I would have you think about this with me. One is that they're tired, which, as we've said, doesn't apply to God. But the second reason to sit down and rest is because you're finished. If there's no work left to be done, you sit down. When you get home at night, after the day's work is done, do you stand up for the evening in your house? Uh, do you stand while eating dinner? Do you stand while watching television? Do you stand while doing your evening devotions? No, you, you sit. Because your work is done. And, and so it is with God. By sitting down, God was testifying to us that his work was done. And he was basically saying to us, those creatures made in his image that we can understand and so that we can even be like our creator, he was saying to us, trust me. You really can trust me. I am finished creating all that you need to live in this world. The light, the land, the air to breathe, <laughs> the creatures to enjoy. It's all created. It's all done. And God sat down to testify to the 
completion, the completedness, the, the finished nature, the accomplishment of his work for us. And indeed, God created the world specifically. And we need to see this. God created the world specifically and uniquely as a place for man to dwell. Again, Psalm 115, verse 16. The heavens are the Lord's heavens, but the earth he has given to the children of man. So, so God was finished creating all that he had created specifically for man. And when he sat down, he was saying, trust me. I have met your every need in all that I have made. And you can trust me. And is that not true as well for us in our Sabbath observance? What is the, what is the point of resting on the Lord's day? We do so in order to remember that God in Christ has accomplished the work of our salvation and we can trust him for it. What did Jesus say, even from the cross? It is finished. And what is the significance of the resurrection of Christ on the first day of the week? The resurrection is the, is the culmination of all his finished work. We can even say that the resurrection was the reward of Christ that he earned from the Father for all his finished work. Philippians 2, verse 8 says, And being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. And verse 9 says next, Therefore, because he was obedient to his Father, even to the point of death on a cross, therefore God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name. So here we are, once again, on the Lord's Day, the day of Christ's resurrection. And the point is to remember, to remember, to remember and never forget that Christ rose again on this very day of the week. And he rose again because he had accomplished his work. He had been successful in the assignment given to him by his Father, And just as God sat down on the seventh day after creation, so Christ sat down at the right hand of the Father. And so the reason we sit down and rest on the Lord's day is because Christ is seated in heaven. And so we remember that we can trust. We can trust him. We can trust him. We can trust him. Because his work is done. And it was done for us to save us from our sins. And surely this is what Jesus was talking about in Matthew 6 and, and in, uh, in Luke 12 when he said over and over again, Do not be anxious. Do not be anxious. Just trust me. Don't be like the Gentiles who, who chase after the things of this world. Don't be like unbelievers who think they must achieve their own survival. They live in desperation. They work and they work and they work, always afraid of death. Don't be like them. Instead, just trust me. It's not finally your work that is keeping you alive. And if you work so hard at getting the things of this world, 
Where is the time to enjoy what you have? Isn't it funny, funny in a, in a dark kind of way, but isn't it funny that people only hasten their, their death by working so hard to stay alive? But that's exactly where the world is. People, people think that their life consists in their possessions. The more possessions, the more life. And yet, they're healthy, wealthy, and unhappy. They've got a lot of stuff, not a whole lot of time to enjoy it. And we, too, might get caught up in, in that way of living. We've, we've got a lot of stuff. We've got so little time to enjoy it. So, finally, the call to enjoy. And we hear this call in, in the story of creation as well. First of all, we hear, we hear the pronouncement on each day of creation, and it was good. God saw all that he had made, and it was good. God saw it, and it was good. And then, in the end, when he's, when he's done, it says, And God saw everything he had made, and behold, it was very good. So again, as we, as, we, as we see God on the seventh day sitting down to rest, what is the connection? Surely we are being called to enjoy all that God has made. Surely we are, are being called to be mindful of, of what God has done for us and what he has given us. And we are being called to enjoy his creation. We are being called to enjoy his salvation in Jesus Christ. And so it, it just doesn't make any sense to say the fourth commandment doesn't apply to us anymore. Say it isn't so should be our reaction. Don't take our blessed day of rest away from us. But neither does it make any sense to turn then the Sabbath into a hard, cold duty as if it were a matter of what we can't do. If we grumble, if we treat the Lord's day as a burden, does, does that make any sense? Instead, yes, it, it is our duty. Yes, it is the command of God that we not do any work uh, and that we not require others to serve us in, in their work on the Sabbath. But the point is that God is commanding his blessing upon us. That's, that's the authority of God again. It, as a blessing to us, God commands his blessing. Psalm 133 even says, For there the Lord has commanded the blessing, life forevermore. And so the Sabbath brings the command of God to enjoy. Parents do this with their children, I think. Parents make plans for the family, anticipating that the kids will enjoy what they've planned. But then they announce the plans and, and what might happen. The kids groan and say, do we have to do that? And the parents think, have to? I thought you would want to. And they even say, after a, a full session of grumbling, you're going. Case closed. And so help me, you better enjoy it. So, but are we any different sometimes as uh, in, in our view of the Sabbath day? Are, are we not sometimes grown-up teenagers? Uh, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. We have to do that. 
And so what we might need to do, first of all, is just submit. Just submit. Lord, you have commanded me not to do work on this day. That's what I will not do. And as I do so or not do so, please show me the blessing. Please give me the the experience of a joyful, Christ-centered, gospel-based day of rest. So, brothers and sisters, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days, not seven. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work. And can we hear it now? Can we hear the prophecy of this command? Can we hear that the fourth commandment is foretelling a day, a day that has now come, a day in which we now live when the work of our salvation has been accomplished? And it's not because any of us has done it. It's because Jesus has done it for us. And there's nothing left to do, nothing left to do, but to sit down and to rest for our salvation in Jesus Christ. Just bask in the glow of it. Sometimes if you've just mow the lawn, you, you sit down on the back patio and you just look at it. And it looks good and it looks done because it is done. Well, here, of course, we're not talking about enjoying our finished work, but looking out upon what Christ has done and enjoying that and rejoicing in what Christ has done for us. And in this way, every first day of the week, that faith, that trust, that joy is renewed upon our hearts so that, guess what? Even as we go about our work, that we were created to do, that we are called to do, even as we go about our work, we're still resting because we're not doing any of it. Not one piece of it contributes to our salvation. Our salvation is done. Christ is risen. Amen. Let's pray. Thank you, O God, for your fourth commandment and for how we can see by the full teaching of your word that this is about Christ. This is about your creation in the beginning, but it's also about a new creation. It's about a a new finished creation that Christ has accomplished for us. We thank you that you are the God who calls upon your people to to come and to rest, to come and to trust you, to come and to enjoy what you have done for us. Grant us this faith and none other, and uh, grant us to delight in your Sabbath each week. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.